Good morning. Today I get to introduce one of my closest friends and my boss. He is one of the best men that I know and is a big reason that a lot of guys love being an RA. He pours into the dorms and sets a godly example for everyone around him. He is someone that I look up to and consider to be a spiritual mentor. I hope that today y'all will lend him some time because God often speaks through him. So I give to you Jordan Muse. Notice he said boss, so I paid him to say that. <laughs> Robert, okay. So who's excited about the Batman coming out? Anybody? Any takers? Yeah? Pretty good? That's way less than I expected. Maybe it's just the crowd interaction's not there yet. What about uh, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness? Yeah? You're right. Marvel's better. I get it. Uh, what about Mandalorian Season 3? Anybody? There we go. Okay. Uh, and for my, my true gaming nerds out there, what about Hogwarts Legacy? Anybody? Any takers? A couple? All right. If I didn't just tell you how much of a nerd I am, there you go. Now, I just wanted to get to know you all a little bit, because I'm not going to assume anything about you. Today, I'm going to talk about myself. But if I were to guess, I'd say that at least some of us in this room have had a sense of guilt or shame given to them by the church. Now, before anyone gets offended and starts tuning me out, and I'm talking about those with TikTok and AirPods in their ears right now, I know. I'm not here to bash on the church. I'm here to tell you my story and my understanding of grace and how it's grown. To start off with, my church-going experience began with a guilt trip. Not from the church, but from my mom. Uh, You see, my dad was working a lot, worked on the weekends, and my mom had the same line every Sunday. You can't abandon your mom on Sundays. And so I went. It started out of this guilt trip. And over time, I eventually started enjoying myself. And maybe some of you can relate to that. This Christian faith has never really been your decision, never been your choice. But rather, a desire from your parents for you to know God. And that's a good and healthy desire. But at the end of the day, no matter how bad they want you to know God, you got to choose it. You have to choose faith for yourself. Now, to make things even more confusing, my baptism was a weird guilt, fear of missing out experience as well. You see, whenever I was like 9 or 10, I don't remember, my whole family was baptized. And I went to a church where if you were not baptized, you didn't get to participate in communion. And so as every week, the, the plates would get passed. My mom, my dad, both my brothers would get to take the bread and the juice. And I was like, why not me? I want the juice, right? Even though it's like a little shot that doesn't last at all. That was my experience of why I wanted to get baptized. That is not a good reason. I didn't know God. I didn't know what I was doing. But what I did know and what I was taught consistently was that all my sin was going to send me straight to hell. You see, I grew up with hellfire and brimstone sermons. Maybe some of you can relate tends to be a little bit less nowadays, which is probably a good thing. But these hellfire and brimstone sermons didn't exactly teach me faith. They taught me fear. And along with that fear, a sense of disgust and shame at everything that I've done wrong, every mistake I made. So what's the opposite of that? Trying to be perfect. I tried to be perfect. And you see, my understanding of grace and forgiveness was severely flawed. 
I believe that God only forgave me when I asked for that specific sin to be forgiven. And so every night I would spend hours on end asking God to forgive me for every little mistake I made, every little white lie, every little time I thought I might have cheated on a test, even if I didn't, even if I thought about cheating. It was like, oh, that's a sin. I believe that God only forgave me when I asked. And so out of that fear, I started to lie more, to cheat more, to steal my way into looking perfect. Somewhere along the way, I convinced myself, if enough other people thought that I was a good enough person, maybe God would too. For so long, I carried this guilt and shame kind of on my back, this weight on my shoulders, walking around with it, afraid that I wasn't good enough, afraid that I wasn't worthy enough. And when I got to high school, I met a guy named Nick, one of my best friends, and is still one of my good friends today. And these words he said to me stopped me in my tracks. He said, stop carrying around your dead man. That's, that's awkward. That's a strange saying, right? And probably some of you are like, I don't know what you're talking about. That's super weird. Let me explain. Colossians 2, 8 through 14 says this. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh. By the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith and the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. You see, that dead man is the old self of sin and shame. And I was taught to carry my dead man by older Christians and traditions who were still carrying their own dead men. It was a cycle of generational guilt that was taught to me. But Colossians tells us to let it go. We're not dead in sin anymore. And the dead man is nailed to the cross. There's no reason for you to carry it. If you believe Christ when he says your sin is forgiven, that sin and death have been defeated, then why do we cling to sin so heavily? See, that was, that was kind of this teaching that Nick gave to me. And I struggled for a long time. I, I came away with these questions. Some of these questions like, if I let go of my sin, will God still forgive me? If I stop thinking about the things I'm doing wrong, am I taking advantage of grace? If I stop trying to be perfect, will I become a more evil person? You can see by those questions how deeply ingrained in my psyche the concept of sin management was. You know, honestly, until 18, sin management was my only relationship with Christianity. I didn't have a connection to God. I didn't have a conversation with God. I didn't have a relationship with God. And if this is where you're at right now, this is what you've grown up with, let's talk. Because it's a sad and lonely place, but it's also not real. It's a lie. Sin management is not faith and it's not grace. And I know that because that's the journey that I took. See, when I was 18, everything changed. I met a guy named Taco. Yeah, like, like Taco. That's what he went by. And so that's what I call him. I met Taco, and he completely changed my perspective. 
He taught me two important truths that changed my interactions with God. The first is this, Ephesians 1, 4. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. You see, before God ever sat down as the Trinity and was like, hey, let's go create this earth and these people, he knew what was going to happen. He knew that people were going to be terrible and that sin was going to come in and Jesus would have to go and die. Knowing that, he said, yes, let's do it anyway. He chose us. And that was the thing that, that really came to me after struggling with worth for so long. I struggled with the idea of my sin put Jesus on the cross. My mistakes put Jesus back on the cross every day. I'm responsible for that. But Taco emphasized one word to me. You are chosen. What Jesus did on the cross was a victory, not a defeat. So why are we still treating it like a defeat? Why are we still trying to manage our sin when it's already been managed? What Jesus did was beautiful. So why did I still feel this need to hold on? I was still stuck in this works and rules mentality. And the second truth that Taco taught me was this. Galatians 3, 25 through 26. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Here's the key lesson that I learned about grace. Grace has absolutely nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with Jesus. You see, God's forgiveness of our sins is not reliant on our ability to be perfect. God's grace is tied to our faith in what Jesus has already accomplished. Do you believe Jesus when he says your sin is forgiven? That's what it comes down to. And Galatians says you are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. That's the law, the Old Testament. That's what we've been taught, the rules, the mentality, still living by that. But here's the truth. We are not bound by that. Jesus came to change that. You see, the Jewish tradition was all about sacrifices and, and earning forgiveness. Jesus came to change that, flip it around. They didn't have grace like we do. Instead, Jesus gave a new commandment and a new law to live by. Does anyone know the, the new commandment? Anyone want to shout that out? It's too quiet. No? Nobody knows it? Love God, love others? That's the new commandment. Love God, love others. Man, somebody could have won five points for Gryffindor if they would have shouted that out. You see, grace is an indescribable gift. It frees us to focus on what really matters. It's love. So instead of getting caught up in the religious righteousness of which political party to follow or which beliefs to have, instead of getting lost in a cycle of shame and unhealthy coping mechanisms, trust me, I've been there. I know that path. Instead of spending your time focused on how much you have gotten wrong, Focus on who to love. You see, one of the last things Jesus tells his disciples is that people will know you by the way that you love. Not by how perfect you are, not by the reputation you've earned, by the way that you love. It really is that simple. Love God, love others, because God is in control of the rest, and Jesus has already managed your sin. So go and love well. You're dismissed. Thanks, Robert.